DFB Pokal final, they lost. Champions League final, they lost thanks to Zinedine Zidane. And then Germany lost in the final in the World Cup. It was very unfortunate. Michael Ballack was absolutely amazing. Basically the Frank Lampard of that generation arriving into the box late. If he was born a decade later, he could have been Ballon d'Or standard, but unfortunately he was born a decade too late. Welcome to the 5W Football Podcast, where we discuss the who, the what, the where, the when, and the why of the beautiful game. This is a very special episode of the pod for a variety of reasons. Number one is that we've broken our recent trend of changing location every week. That's right, we are back in our very lovely podcast studio. Number two is that we've decided we're going to have our very own 5WF Christmas party at this podcast. And leading on to that is number three. I'm joined by something of a motley crew of individuals today. So in recent weeks, we've we've tried to keep the number of members to a minimum, but I'm faced with seven faces in front of me. Make that six faces, not <laughs> including me. Um, yeah, we, we've we've really expanded, and I'm gonna go through. I'm gonna go around the group. We've got we've got a few new members to introduce. Um, one of whom is the legend that is Jack Perry. Um, no relation, or maybe some relation, to Fred Perry. Uh, Jack, it's great to see you here. Uh, we've talked about you a lot. You've contributed a few questions. And finally, we've got you in the studio. You are blocking the door so no one else can get in. Maybe a bit of a fire hazard. Not relevant. How are you doing, Jack? <laughs> Good afternoon, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm afraid to this point that I'm not a relation of Fred Perry, as the rumour has been going around on this podcast recently. Was he like an Ancestry.com kind of thing? Like I've not really investigated know. it that uh, intently, no. Um, so perhaps that's something I'll have to look into. But as far as I know, no relation. You may be no relation of uh, Fred Perry, but I'm sure we can still make a racket today. Talking about the, the clothing, um, you've done a, I'd say you've, you've kind of stepped into Barney's role with slightly more sophisticated clothing. No offence to everyone else that's, that's present, but you've gone for what I would term a half roll neck. Um, semi Yeah, yeah, maybe a row neck. Um, it's talk us through your outfit, Jack. I thought it was appropriate for the the Christmas party. I wanted to. Yeah, it's yeah. my first appearance. You know, make a good impression to start with. I thought that was important. And yeah. I, I hope everyone appreciates that. You know. No, definitely. Now, Jack has uh, written an article for us on the the website, which is on Pavel Nedved. Um, any particular affiliation with Pavel? Uh, I don't. I. Uh, I don't have any affiliation with him particularly. Um, I'm just a, a huge admirer of him as a player, and um, of course of his hair. Uh, you can't uh, ever ignore that. So yeah, no, I'm just a huge fan of him as a player, and I felt he does not get the the plaudits he deserves. Absolutely, we've also got another guest, which is April Curtin, who's sitting in the corner, looking very apprehensive. Um, we're not sure if she's actually going to speak, but hopefully we do get a few words. Uh, April, how are we doing? Are you honoured to, to have made your way into this studio? I'm really honoured. Fantastic. Anything else you'd like to add at all? Not really. Wonderful. <laughs> I think we'll leave that there. Um, bit of a cold shoulder, but we, you know, we'll get over it. Kieran Ahuja, you're back in the podcast. It's I been am. a while. Yeah, uh, well. We've not heard that raucous laughter that we were so used to after the first podcast. What have you been doing in the uh, interim period? I feel like I could have like, imposed a ban on myself after the first <laughs> podcast just because I listened back to it and about eight minutes in, like a haunting laugh just kind of 
<laughs> through the earphones. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to stay quite down to earth today. Like not too much laughter for me today. It, yeah, it is. I think it's generally acknowledged that Kieran does have something of a piercing laugh, but yeah. I, I think it's something. I think to you uh, described it as penetrating. Pe yeah, penetrating. But I think we should embrace it. You know, don't you know? Don't shy away from it. Uh, we've also got Joe Davis, who was the supplier of a fantastically furnished kitchen on the first time, which was not just a kitchen, but also morphed into a living room area complete with games consoles, multiple television screens, and also a fantastic view of, uh, of an empty, lonesome table tennis table out the back of your apartment. <laughs> so very disappointed that we're not there now, but I think hopefully you agree that we, we have upgraded since then. How does this compare to your initial involvement in the podcast? Uh... Well, very much more high tech, enjoying the headphones in your head. <laughs> uh, and also my own jingle at the start of these has been a lovely addition, if I don't say so myself. Yeah, about that about that jingle, I feel like we should talk about that a little bit more because we've not really mentioned it so far. Where what are the origins of that jingle? Is that a, a homemade well, I don't piece? think we want to talk about the copyright issues of that. Absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> we don't. stand the weather, I think, if you know, you know. Right, okay. Fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful to have you back, Joe Davies. Also got Barney Stevenson, who is joining me in. He's still looking suave, but I, I must share with you listeners, he's, he's looking slightly more disheveled than he usually does. Um, we've had a few deadlines recently uh, in our journalism course, and these have got to Barney particularly. Um yeah, they he's, have. He's, he's got a very nice white long sleeve polo shirt on. It's a, it's a two button job and neither button is done up, which is contributing to the aforementioned dishevelled look. Uh, we've got a pair of slightly washed out blue jeans below. Um, he's looking, he's looking good, but it's just not quite the usual standards we're up to. Barney, how are you doing? Hello, Andrew. Uh, as, um, as you've spoken about, I'm uh, slightly dishevelled today. I'm incredibly tired after the deadlines. I think, uh, They've perhaps taken their toll on me more than uh, the rest of us. Um, but yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm very pleased to be joining you here today. Yeah, fantastic. And last but not least, we've got Lewis Steele, who always likes to be mentioned, don't you, Lewis? But I'll let you to the end so you can have your little piece. I do like to be mentioned, Andrew, and I'm very glad to be here again this week with you. Fantastic. The Lewis, it's a pleasure to have you here as well, as always. Uh, Lewis has gone for a, a plain, simple Adidas um, T-shirt. I have, yeah, but I had an exam this morning, so I thought I had to be comfy. Yeah. Uh, and that's the approach, that's the origins of it. Obviously, other brands are available on the high street, so yeah. we don't want it. Fantastic. Um, let's get things kick-started. Um, you may have heard already, listeners, that we there's been a bit of sloshing going on, uh, maybe the occasional ring pull. We, we are having a few drinks as part of our Christmas party, and we thought uh, a very apt conversation to have to start the podcast off would be about kind of drinking culture in football. So, of course, uh, Arsene Wenger, when he arrived in, in England, one of his one of the big things that he imposed upon English football was to reduce you know drinking in the game, refine everyone's diets. And before that, really, there was, we, we do forget at times, there was quite a big drinking culture in football. Now, whilst this may still exist in kind of the lower levels of football, in, in, in the top leagues, in the Premier League, professional high standards of football, it, it really doesn't exist anymore at all. So we thought we'd just take a few minutes to kind of reflect on that because there's, there's a lot of funny stories. And the one that I always like to, to think about is is Ray Parler, who there's a few different stories from his, but one of my favourite was when he was going to play against Liverpool away and he didn't think he was going to be in the matchday squad. And 
he thought he'd go up to the Carlsberg Lounge at Anfield, which who were the sponsors at the time of Liverpool. So he went up to went up to the bar, had a few pints, ended up having four pints, I think. And then the assistant manager came up and said, you know, what, what are you doing? You know, you, you, you're playing soon. And he was like, I, I thought I wasn't in the squad. Um, and obviously he's been named, been named on the subs bench. Ends up coming on for the last 20 minutes. Still a bit, a little bit the worse for wear. And reckons he had a decent game. But I, I thought it would be interesting to just talk through any other funny stories you, we may have heard of. Um, Barney, you look like a man who might know something about this kind of thing. Um well, I wish I could help you a little bit more there, Andrew, actually, but um, no, <laughs> I can't think of anything off the top of my head. <laughs> but um, Kieran Ahuja, sat across the room from me, is, uh raised his hand and I think he'd yeah, like I've, to contribute I've got something. a question for Joe, actually. Um, I don't know if anyone saw the Sun headline the other day about the Arsenal players at a certain party doing some certain the things. The Noss, yeah? Yeah, what do you oh, think yeah. Wenger would have had to say about that? Well, not a great deal, being as he's not in charge anymore. Yeah, but what, what would he have to say? That's what I'm saying. What would he have well, said? Well, there was, there, was, there was instances of that with Jack Wilshire and I believe Wojciech Szczesny under the Arsene Wenger reign. And with Szczesny in particular, that led to his move on loan to Roma, I believe. That and the smoking. I mean, Arsenal in general is probably one of the most interesting clubs to look at all of this, narcotics and drinking wise. Famously had the Tuesday Club in the Tony Adams era. Uh, big drinking culture until Wenger came along. Uh, one of the interesting things that I think is the English players all used to drink on a Tuesday, but the French players when they came over all used to smoke. And that's something Ray Pollard talks about quite a lot. They'd have mm. their coffees and cigarettes. And uh, regardless, they were one of the most dominant teams of the English Premier League for about 10 years. Mm. It's that wonderful story, isn't there, which Joe and I were talking about before, about Ray, Ray Parler. Um, was playing in the FA Cup final and Arsenal won and they were on their way back on the plane and obviously they can get drinks on the flight and he asked for a beer and Arsene Wenger was like no what are you doing you're not you're not drinking mm. we've got a big game on Wednesday against Man United so he kind of complied with it and went to the back of the plane where the rest of his family was sitting and kind of had a beer with them um, and I think he, he caught him again, then he came to the back of the plane and, and caught no, him. No, think, I think Ray got away with it. Oh, really? on the day of the game, on the Saturday following, he uh, he scored the winning goal. And right. Arsene came over to him and he said, you see, Ray, it's because I told you not to have that beer. And he, Ray went along with it. He's like, yeah, that's what it was, boss. Despite having a couple of Swifties with his I mean, with it, his begs the, it begs the question, would Ray Parler have been as good as he was without the... The Romford Pele. Yeah, exactly. Jack, Jack Perry, you look like you've got something to say. I feel it's impossible to talk about the drinking culture in uh, particularly English football without mentioning uh, Gaza's famous dentist celebration. Yeah. I think that has to go down as one of the, the best celebrations by an English footballer, maybe along with Robbie Fowler, which I know we were talking about earlier, um, after the infamous uh, dentist chair incident in a Hong Kong, Hong Kong nightclub, I believe. Fantastic, yeah. <laughs> And then, keeping on the topic of Arsenal and drinking, there's that, that famous tale from Paul Merson. Uh, he basically t says how the Arsenal squad were in Norwich on an away game, and before the game they went for a few half pints. Um, but they had just one half, they had just one pint glass on the table, so it didn't look like they'd have more. They were just refilling the same. There's like Merson, Ray Paul, and that. And I think it was actually George. Gra was it George Graham? It was George yeah. Graham in charge. And they were about to go on pre-season tour to Bali. Paul Merson tells a brilliant story. I won't do his accent because... Go on, do his accent. 
Well, he's basically, he basically <laughs> says, he's like, so we're getting on the plane to Bali and we've all got a flowery shirt on me, George Graham's there, Ray Parler. And George Graham just turns around and said, lads, what are you doing here? You're not going, you're getting pissed up at Norwich, you know. And that was the end of basically that story. Is that Harry Redknapp? <laughs> it was a bit of Harry Redknapp <laughs> slash a bit of Paul Merson. Harry Redknapp, of course, very relevant at the moment. You know, won the... I'm celebrity get me out of it, which I must confess I've not watched in uh, a few years. Has anyone been keeping up with it? I'm sure. I didn't realise he'd won. Did you? Know? When I did think that you, happen? I think you yeah. won. You are very dishevelled. <laughs> <bonus. laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've taken a few weeks out of sort of the real world oh, really yeah, to gotcha. focus on. Well, so did Harry Redknapp in the end. Of exactly. Yeah. <laughs> very deserved winner from what I. Really? Gathered. Does anybody? Did anybody watch it this year? I watched bits of it. Yeah, yeah I, I liked it. Yeah, was he was he good? I've, I've he been informed by a few reliable sources that he was he was good. He covered himself in glory. Talks about his wife quite a lot. Of mm, Sandra, Sandra, yeah. Talks yeah. about him in there. running her over. Yeah, he ran her over. There was a good scene where he was leaning out of a car doing a trial, right? Um, which was obviously designed for Harry Redknapp purposes, and he was very good. Probably deserved winner. Uh, didn't he try and set up Jamie Redknapp with someone else who was in in? Yeah, Charlotte from the Inbetweeners. I don't know what her name is. Is Jamie Redknapp not still is with he, Louise? Is she not with no. Louise? Wasn't yeah, she I was going to say. No, that, uh, yeah, she, she was on it. That's oh, what that Harry Redknapp knew. What's happened uh, to Louise Redknapp? Yeah. Or oh, maybe she just like expressed her interest in Jamie Redknapp. I can't really remember the exact story. Are you disappointed to hear this? I, would've, I, would've I quite liked Louise Redknapp. Yeah, yeah. And I was, is it all saints that Louise? I know, yeah, but I like to think of her as part of a nuclear family and the fact that that's maybe no longer the case. They used to do the it's quite weird, distressing. Though, maybe we Revelation. should turn the website into a showbiz website and just have what happened to Louise Redknapp rather than yeah. stuff like what that happened to That would be more Pavel interesting, Redmond. wouldn't it? Rather than having to talk about the, you know, these, these characters such as... Dario Benedetto. Dario Benedetto. <laughs> um, Michael Ballack. Yeah, if uh, all the <laughs> listeners out there, if you've not um, had a look at the website recently, we have been running the Advent Calendar series, which is still running as strongly as ever. Uh, 13th day today with Michael Ballack which was contributed by the Right Honourable Lewis Steele um, Michael Ballack Lewis what a guy well as I was saying at the top um, the best loser of the 21st century um, he lost so many finals I almost, as I was writing it I actually felt sorry for the poor guy um, he was a great player, Rudy Voller had some great things to say um, so if you take a look at that article, um, there's some great quotes from the likes of Michael Ballack in there. Yeah. Uh, I started with the Gary Lineker, you know, the football's a simple game. Germans always win. Germans always win. But, but Michael Ballack didn't always win. Um, no. But 10 years later, could have been the best player in the... Well, not the best midfielder in the planet, let's say. Great Definitely. Um, topic number <coughs> two, which I've drafted, which I don't think anybody really knows about. So, you know, there's going to be a few scared faces <laughs> looking around. So I'm going to keep my head firmly down. Uh, Leon Messi, the great magician that he is, scored two free kicks in one game at the weekend. Now, this was the first time that he'd done that in La Liga. Yeah, I think he has done it before in the Champions League. But it was the first occasion he's done it in La Liga, which got me thinking about... Things that have happened multiple times in a game, so things that you perhaps wouldn't expect to happen at all that have happened multiple times. So Leighton Baines scored two free kicks against West Ham in a 3-2 away win in September 2013. Now, that links in nicely because Lucas Digne scored a last-minute free kick against Watford. Now, whilst there weren't two of them, it just got me thinking about this idea of two things 
happening in one game. So, I can't see any particularly eager faces looking at me at the moment, but does anybody remember anything similar happening in a football match? Barney Stevenson, talk to me. Um, the one that springs to mind a little bit for me is the 1998 World Cup semi-final, um, in which Lillian Turam scored two goals against Croatia um, to take the French to the final against Brazil. Um, and obviously, Turam, great player, um, very cultured defender as well, but not the sort of player that you'd be expecting to pop up with two goals for you. Sort of maybe the equivalent of John Stones scoring two goals for England in a World Cup semi-final. So yeah, I think that would be my shout for that one. What do we mean by a cultured defender? Well, Kieran, that's <laughs> taking us on to a very different topic. Um culture defender uh, I guess a defender who can who reads the game well and uh, can play with the ball at his feet rather than just a player who uh, sort of disrupts play and technical clears the physical. ball yeah absolutely um, who, who would you say the best culture defender in the world is at this current moment sorry Lewis ask that question again Best cultured, well, most cultured defender in the world currently. Yeah. Um, well, you were mentioning Laporte a lot. Yeah. When I said the podcast. question, I was sort of a, it was sort of a cute for you to, <laughs> to big up Eric. I mean, I do, I do think that is definitely um, a good shout when it comes to cultured defenders. Also, uh, is it Delict who plays? Um, Delict, yeah. Ajax had a great game of Bayern Munich last night, actually, yeah. They did. Mm. I would say Phil Jones had a very cultured finish <laughs> last night. <laughs> in his own net. So, yeah, I think that's mm. impossible to ignore. Apparently, well, do you know the last time to score, the last person to score in a, uh, score an own goal in a Champions League game for Man United was Phil Jones. That does not surprise me. He scored five. Last night. That should have been the trivia. Right. Yeah, 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 obviously. Would have got it. And it, this that is the player, of course, that Sir Alex Ferguson said could be the best ever Manchester United player. Um, <laughs> did he actually say that? Yeah, he yeah, did. He, he did. did yeah. He did. Um, yeah. Well, said to he be fair, play anywhere. Kind we of were thing. worried when Vidic and Ferdinand retired, and we knew we had Smalling and Jones lined up. And what five years later, they're still <laughs> starting games for us. So he was right. I don't see how you can argue with so that. What, what <laughs> you were saying as well? Like, you were saying it yesterday as well, Pat, about uh, Young and Valencia, weren't you? Yeah. Well, I mean, they they're now playing this. <laughs> Failed wingers for United are now playing as fullbacks, and I think everyone was sick of them about two or three years ago, and they are still starting fullbacks for United alongside Phil Jones, which is. It's been about four years. Yeah, time, I mean, you kind of think there'll be a transition at some point, but it doesn't seem to be on the horizon at the moment. So. I have one more slightly unusual idea from the multiple things happening in one game. Juan Pablo Angel. Do we remember him? Played Absolutely. up Colombian yeah. Played up Villa. So he was, <coughs> I didn't realise this, he was the first player to miss two penalties in a Premier League game, which happened in February 2005, which I was surprised it hadn't happened earlier because there's a bit of a tradition these days with when a team has multiple penalties in a game, even if the first one goes in, they kind of switch them around for the second one, which I think is a little bit bizarre, but... Yeah, Juan Pablo Angel was the first one to miss two, which was against Fulham in February 2005. But the greatest one is Argentinian striker Martin Palermo. This That's is what so, I was just going to say. This is so Barney Stevenson. <laughs> <laughs> Barney, tell me what Martin Palermo did. Three penalty misses. Yeah. 
Was it the Copper America? I don't know. I haven't even got it written down. So uh, I, that's I'm thinking three penalty misses in the Copper America. I can't. It was the Copper remember America. Remember the opposition for sure. Mm. But as you're saying, like generally teams tend to sort of change their penalty takers around anyway, even if the goals go in. So the fact that he missed two, yeah. and then they still let him take the third, seems a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, really, that says a lot about him as well, I guess, in terms of his own, you know, self belief. Yeah, absolutely. Where do um, we stand on that as as players? Like, if, if you'd missed a penalty in a game, would you want to take the second one? Because I would. I think if I'd missed, I'd yeah, want to make the penalty. Yeah. I think if yeah, you're, I think if you're, the re- if you're a regular penalty taker, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd, I, if I was a manager, I would also want my penalty taker to be yeah. my penalty taker. Have him mm. take the second as well. I think. I tend to shy away from penalties a little bit, really. But then it's Boko. Yeah, I'd rather not have that pressure on me if I can avoid it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Despite being, what, 27 goals, top score scorer this year? Yeah, but all from open play. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> yeah, we must uh, also say that we did suffer our first defeat oh, on last Tuesday evening. Um, it's been a good run, but you know, at some point it always happens. It happens in Man City. And it has happened to us, unfortunately. Well, Man um, City bounce back, we can too. Precisely. Bad Eight week for me, though, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bad week for me, City and us was, losing yeah. the Invincibles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good well, obviously, it's been 22 minutes and we haven't mentioned Man City explicitly yet, so <laughs> this thing obviously feels like he needs to um, talk about a Man City for a while. Let's talk about um, a Sane free kick. Yeah, the Sane free kick. That Sane free kick is the sort that you see... Copper ninety or Mundial tweet with like just one word like in capital letters like Belter. <laughs> it was that good. It like literally it was like Ronaldo levels, wasn't it? It was. Um, and I I tweeted about it at the time. I said, well, when I was watching at home, I was like, why are you hitting it from there? You can't take free kicks, Leroy. <laughs> just like cross it into the back post. We've got like a Merrick Laporte in there. Ottomendi as well. Why are you hitting it, son? And he hit it, and I was like, fair play, mate. Yeah, you've done it. It was a very Raising good free kick, actually. The technique was kind of a bit of a, I don't know, I thought it was a bit of a hybrid between the kind of Janino and Ronaldo, sort of knuckleball-y, swervy. <coughs> the way, he, the way his, his body was like, his stature leading up to it was very nice. I know he did have a good free kick in his locker, but not quite like, thwack, not quite that good. Was that what you said as a thwack? It was a thwack. That's the word. Kind of particular nice way you starting that word yeah, there, Lou. Swack. Yeah. Swack. <laughs> it was swaz, wasn't it? Swaz. 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 Yeah, yeah. Angus swaz, Williams said it? it was swaz. Shout Angus Williams, by the way. Swack. <laughs> um, yeah, shout, shout out to yeah. Angus Williams, good friend of the podcast. Unfortunately, he can't be with us for the simple reason that we can't fit any more bodies into <laughs> this studio. Um, if you think I'm overselling how tightly packed it is, I'm not. It's very tightly <laughs> packed. I've got multiple knees next to me, and it smells a little bit as well. <laughs> there was also a game where Steven Gerrard scored, well, didn't score oh, three, but God. scored two penalties and missed the third against Man United in the 2013-14 season, which I thought was a bit relevant because we're playing Man United at the weekend. Um, presuming nobody else has anything else to add on the multiple things happening in one game... There was that oh. thing with, go on Barnabas, you're very eager to get it out of your dishevelled body. Dean Windass <laughs> got sent out, sent off three times in one game. What? What? Which Explain. is um, an excellent okay. statistic. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. 
So he got sent off. Um, I th- I'm thinking sent off. Maybe it's maybe he got three yellow cards in one game. I can't remember the complete details. But um, yeah, so he, he basically got reprimanded on the pitch for a foul or an incident. I'm not entirely sure. And then um, as he was going off the pitch, um, got another card. And then in the car park, went and berated the referee and then got another card for that. So what's, so, what's kind of, oh, he got, he got a yellow card in the car, in the car park. I think it's probably three red cards, but I'm not entirely sure and I don't want to be misinforming. Do we have any kind of idea of what kind of what fine, incident? Yeah, what fine that? I think it was back in sort of the like 90s in Division out. 3, so I think it was yeah. kind of at the sort of time when the FA probably didn't really pay much attention to anything that happened below We haven't Division mentioned one. Graham Paul's three other cards. Yeah, Graham Paul, yeah. Who was that on? Who, who was it? Uh, was it a Croatian player, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was World Cup 2006. Yeah, it could have been that. Barney Stevens has really put himself forward as the history man. Mm-hmm. He is. He's, he's got a massive book collection. Surprise. Well, actually, I, I've got some trivia to test Barney then. If oh, God. Let's have our first trivia question. <laughs> well, it's also on something happening more than one time in a game. So I don't know if anyone remembers the last cube to save two penalties in a game, just because we've discussed two penalties scored. What okay. right. Save the answer for later. Have you got it? Do, do we get any? Yeah, players? well, we can, what, what we competition can are we talking here? Yeah. What year? This is Premier League, Premier League, and it's it was two years ago. Two penalties in one game. Is so it Martin Stefflenburg? I thought you might. Oh, saved them from. Do you remember who it was? Uh, Aguero, Aguero both times, and I, I had him. Of course, De Bruyne. Who was it? Because I didn't captain fantasy team that day. And I know you're a big fantasy team guru. I think it was De Bruyne. I was at that game. Yeah, it was very frustrating with. Is one of the best we'd played that season. We drew one. And you got a, yeah, it was a yeah. draw. Yeah, yeah. How are the fantasy teams going this year? Because it's something I always do, but I just haven't kept up with it this year. Yeah, he's got, kind of got I'm to keep up in the ball. Well, I'm also top of my leagues. So <laughs> we're, we're, we we don't have a league. <laughs> we should have a league. <laughs> Let's do a league. For January onwards. Me and Pez captain Salah at the weekend. Yeah. I did as well. Nice. I captain Salah at the weekend as well. Fair play. I didn't even have Salah in my I've team. I've had him captain for the last like. Three weeks. Yeah, I've only Finally getting some yeah, payback. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have the man. Well done, though. You're doing well. Keep it going. Love to get you on the pod someday if you are out there in Egypt listening. Please come and join us, Mohammed. Rescue me from these people. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. The next topic. I must be honest with you, listeners. We don't actually have another topic. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna fashion one out of thin air. It's getting very cold outside, isn't it, at the moment? Um, I th- particularly when I went out this morning i was underdressed very underdressed uh, i thought i'd dress smartly for my radio bulletin that i had to do and i was very very cold now adverse weather affecting football do we have any personal tales of when we've played in games and there's been snow on the pitch last night uh, in the which game was it the buying game where it was snowing or the, mm. the, the i think it was the Shakhtar game was it madrid could have been one of the Champions League games, listeners, it was it was snowing heavily, and it was having an oh, adverse. Shakhtar, yeah, Leon yeah. Shakhtar. Yeah, because the the Shakhtar Donetsk game, I think it was had to be played in Kiev. Yeah, it got played in Kiev because of crowd troubling. Yeah, well, so uh, Kharkiv. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Shakhtar have been playing in Kiev for a while. And, yeah. and Kharkiv, yeah, yeah. Uh, they've been playing in Kharkiv. Kharkiv, they normally play, but last night was Kiev. Yeah. Yeah, so it got me thinking about uh, the weather adversely affecting games now in our own five-a-side league we've not had too much of this luckily um tuesday night wasn't too cold but 
do we do remember any times where the weather has adversely affected our own footballing trials and tribulations? I think everyone remembers the cold sting of a leather ball covered yeah. in water on the inside of their thigh on a Sunday yeah, morning. Absolutely. I do remember one five-a-side game earlier this season where a certain Barney Stevenson decided to wear gloves. Yeah, I knew there was a reason we brought him on. <laughs> yeah. He was ridiculed, and rightly so, I think. And after that, he did not. I don't think he was ridiculed enough. I, um, well, I, mean, I, certainly made no, sure. I wouldn't have started him the next week if I was a gaffer. <laughs> <laughs> he's, yeah. never, he's never been the same since. I wear gloves every week. In my opinion, you do. You are key. I'm a goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah. I wear leggings every week. <laughs> more than make up for it you know raises on the knees after those slide challenges yeah. and the 4G that's true no one else does those yeah we care too much have we got any um, trivia questions trivia questions Lewis Steele you've got a trivia question haven't you think of one <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were still discussing adverse weather conditions well, actually yeah, I mean, Mr. Misery if someone's got more adverse weather they'd like well, to does anyone remember that Edgar Davids nearly goal where it was the pitch was in such a state that he he'd gotten past the goalkeeper played it into an open net and it stopped on the mud right before the no I don't no I don't uh, well google it listeners <laughs> get it googled um, yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's fascinating because it does have a big effect. I always think, um, particularly recently, with the got a lot more three G pitches being built in the UK these days. But we probably, as as old timers, all probably remember growing up playing on grass pitches, which the, the weather really could affect it. You know, I remember having like eight or nine weeks off um, playing football just simply because the pitches were unplayable. But nowadays, not so much the case with the with the advent of, of these. 3G pitches. If we are uh, discussing gloves, I don't know where everyone stands on on snoods after they were banned a few years back. Just because I I, oh, I actually quite liked I quite liked the aesthetic of a snood. I thought Tevez and Nasri quite. Nasri, my man. I thought yeah, Nasri. I liked the aesthetic personally. Yeah, um, I think it was about 2012 maybe. Mm, somewhere um, around then. Kieran Ahuja. I, I would actually just ask him like, why were they banned? I was going to say the same. Yeah. It's the strangling, strangling yes, issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do, is like there a case of school? someone getting close to being strangled by a snood? I, I don't know, pitch? but I remember at school, um, we were always told we couldn't wear hoodies in PE. And yeah, it was the same idea, wear. because you'd be playing footy and someone would just grab your hoodie and be like... We weren't allowed to wear ties, because... People in used to be like, yeah, in we had like, PE? No, no, it's like generally in We had like clip-on ties, because people always used to strangle each other with... In the Arsenal guys. United game the other day, Guendouzi got pulled back by his hair, and Emery mm. after the game said maybe you should cut it. Ironically, by Fellaini, was it not? It was indeed. Yeah, it was. Who recently I mean, cut his pro? Yes, that maybe is to avoid such. Uh, He's been a, bit, a lot better since, I'd say. Although, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, well, as short as he that. can be. <laughs> yeah. it's for a big old donkey. Just doesn't look the same, though. I don't think. He looks. No. Um, he looks just not himself. Lewis Steele's produced a trivia question which I've produced I've, I've, I don't know the answer to it <laughs> the, there's ten marks up for grabs ten stars oh, for camp wow, okay. um, I could really do with those ten marks as well after <laughs> this after you could. ten Premier League players who have both won the title and been relegated Ooh, that's a good show. I've nice. not thought about Danny that Danny Murphy 
I don't know the answers. Yeah, let me just who find fought, them. Who's your one title for? Oh, yeah, Liverpool. Liverpool. <laughs> 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 I don't win titles, I'm afraid. Whoa! <laughs> um, I don't know the answers. This is, this is an excellent Parker. question. With for Chelsea. Chelsea. Nice. And then down with Fulham. James Milner. Liverpool and... Uh, Liverpool, Liverpool don't win titles. City and Leeds. So. Trying to convince yourself that they do, though, aren't you? Hey? Alan Smith. Something's on your mind. Leeds yeah. and United. Glenn Johnson. Yeah. Portsmouth, Portsmouth and, and Chelsea. Chelsea. We're doing all right here, aren't we? Uh, uh, Michael Carrick. West, West, West Ham. Ham and United. Did he go, was he? West Ham go down that year? I don't know whether he went down. Louis Sahaf. No. No, no, no Fulham no, no. didn't go down with him, did they? Um, Herman Horidison. <laughs> what was that stat you had on Herman? Our mate Herman. He's the most relegated no. player in Premier League history. He has a knack of. He's got this. People have this perception of him that he'll keep you up, but he just doesn't. He goes to clubs. <laughs> they make him the captain. He plays every game, and they go down. And he's the best player, but they go down. Is that is that more than Ryan Nelson? I know he's he's done it for Horizon. He's done it for Charlton. I think he's done it for Wimbledon. Wimbledon. He's done it for Portsmouth. Ipswich. Yeah, I think I think there's five. I think Palace as well. I think wow. he's been relegated for five teams, yeah. and the, I think we might have mentioned this on a previous podcast. But listener, you need to hear this again. He, <laughs> when he retired, he went to well before he retired, like in the you know, the whole parade players have before they retired. He went to Iceland to play for his like homegrown club, and he got relegated with the team <laughs> that he went to, <laughs> which I think is wonderful. But Herman, if you're out there, we salute you. Please come onto the podcast sometime. <laughs> have we already named the podcast after him? Yeah, Madison. second one, I believe. Did we? Yeah, no, it was, no, was Jasper Gronkaya. Gronkaya, Jasper, and Royston of Drenthe. Oh, great player. I've yeah. got another one, which is... Um, Gary, another question. Gary Cale. Gary Cale. Bolton and Chelsea. Yeah. Oh, you're right, yeah. Does Will Keane... Um, maybe. Don't know, can, don't know if we can accept that answer. Do you have a list you're of the quiz master? I do, sort of. Um, I'm not going to accept that. Alvaro Negredo, when he yes. Bora, um, played for City, City in Mario. Very nice. Very what good. a player he was. He um, was that first half of the year. season, everyone was like, yeah, he's the next Shearer. And then he kind of he just you know, disappeared into nine, mediocrity. So. Yeah, yeah. don't rate him myself. Not a fan. He was good Limited. for six Wonderful left Berg. Yeah, he scored a You know, There's a lot of people out there with good left. Is Gareth Barry one of them? Oh, he must be. West Brom. No, when City. did he join West Brom? Last season. Didn't he get relegated with West Brom? Yeah, 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 West Brom and City. Yeah. Great. He's, he's most top Premier League appearances. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Gareth Barry, most Premier League appearances. Gareth Bale, most Premier League yellow cards. Really? Most. Really? That's yeah. it. Of all time? Of all time. Wow. I know, oh, that like might be for diving. And he gets into diving. Yeah, that might be specifically for diving. I just know the stat as an awesome what players that get yellow cards? Yellow. Oh, Mas- oh no, Gareth Barry is actually has yellow cards. Lucas Lever, the yellow card. Fernandinho <laughs> is Gareth Mr. Yellow Bale card. Yeah, but that's understandable in that team, isn't it? Um, Various conversations going on there across. That's the, that's the beauty of two microphones. Listen, if you can't understand what's going on, then I do apologise. Uh, listen to the next episode where things will be a lot clearer. Uh, moving on, I think let's finish things with Christmas. Uh, it's, the, it's the last episode most likely of the year we've had a good run this year um what are our plans for christmas football over christmas talk to me about christmas gentlemen and gentlemen <laughs> i like christmas yeah <laughs> yeah i like it what's your favorite bit about christmas Lewis Steele? the 
the food. The food, yeah. Um, I like the food. I like watching football. This is a football podcast, but I do like it. Is. And I'm not saying it for the sake of it, but I do like watching football over Christmas. Yeah. Just having nothing, um, no sort <laughs> of deadline sort of stresses and just sitting back on Boxing Day and watching football. It's a, it's a great experience. I, I enjoy the fact that it's, it's such a busy period that you never kind of expect a fixture. Sometimes you forget that, yeah. that someone's playing and then suddenly you realise, oh, United play tomorrow and it's a, it's a Thursday. Um, so I'm always a huge fan of that. Comes Christmas break, do you reckon we need it as England? I'm always torn between the fact that it, it does make sense and it obviously works for your other European leagues, but it is such a tradition and I would miss the, the Christmas fixture list so much. Best but part per, like, personally, I wouldn't want it. But right. perhaps for the players and the teams, it actually would make sense. So but it's a weird one. we didn't lose the World Cup this year. We didn't go out in the semi-finals this year because of the lack of Christmas break. Like, that wasn't the reason. Mm. You know, it's been pitched as a reason before, but... For decades. Yeah, for a very long time, but actually I think it's something that's actually much more... You don't think Kane finishes that... Uh, in the English game. You don't think Kane finishes that Croatia <laughs> chance that he's <laughs> had a Christmas off. He's had a nice Christmas maybe, with his family. Maybe I think he finishes that. Yeah, you might be right, actually. You might be right, Jack. Yeah, maybe that Kane miss was was all about Kane's lack of Christmas <laughs> in 2017. Barney's frazzled, isn't he? <laughs> That's what we've concluded from this podcast. I think. I think Kieran wants to say something. This isn't the question. Just Is it a sparking question? some conversation. No, no, definitely not. Um, <laughs> does anyone have any hopes, fears, or expectations for the January transfer window? I mean, I hope, as a Manchester United fan, that we we sign a centre-back of some kind, personally. I, I know that the club prevented us. Ed Woodward particularly stopped us buying one in the summer, and perhaps our targets weren't quite right, but yeah, just we just need one, and that's become more apparent than ever as the season's gone over. So, for United, that's just clearly what we need. Well, as an Arsenal fan, I want to see Harry Maguire starting to be linked to us. <laughs> it's not happened yet. But one day, <laughs> we'll just want to one see it linked. Yeah. <laughs> just, I don't want to hear him. I just want the link at least. We can sort that out for you. Yeah. We can find the link. We'll put it on the website. Just Neil Custis printing a rumor in whatever paper he writes for. <laughs> he tweeted me last night, Neil Custis. I don't know if you saw. No, what did he say? I was talking. It links into one of the questions we've got from a fan. Um, oh, we haven't Ale- done those. Alex Hannon uh, asked. I can't think of the exact word and let me just find it. He basically was saying, I tweeted that um, Phil Foden was starting in a pretty big match mm-hmm. for City. We had to win to win the group. Um, so I thought that was quite big. Neil Custis replied, the Sun journalist, saying it's not a crucial match. And Phil Foden has basically signed a contract to sit on the bench for six years. So Alex Hannon says, can you discuss the importance of finishing first in a UCL group? And if the European elite are that bothered about it, what do we think, gentlemen? Finishing first in the Champions League groups. Yeah, something that you're not used to, is it? Well, thank you for that interception. Of the, uh, yeah, yeah, no, well, we didn't finish first this year, but I think it's very important, generally, uh, because clearly you get, usually, you get an easier game in the, in the first. And home second leg. I think yes in yeah, the first knockout stages thing, I however I think there is an argument to be made increasingly these days um, around still making it through despite finishing second so like I look at Liverpool and we've obviously we finished second but I can still see us 
because we've been to the final last year. I can still see us, you know, maybe competing, but I don't know. I'll open up the floor. Jack Perry looking thoughtful as I, usual. I just feel like that argument doesn't hold any weight. Neil Custis is saying that like uh, a match which could potentially make you finish first in a Champions League group that is not that, that that's not important. That like maybe it's not the most important game, but you're not going to play a player that's of no importance to you in that game. Mm. To me, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense that that game is nothing. It's clearly not nothing. It stands for something. Even if you don't think finishing first in the Champions League group is the most important thing in the world, it still means something. And therefore, you're not going to play a player who is not important to your team. And Phil Foden certainly is that for City. And I think, yeah, fair play to, to Pep for putting him into that game, which was important, I think. Definitely. I think in England in general, it makes such a song and dance about Champions League. And then it gets to, if you've qualified, it gets to the fourth, fifth, sixth game, and you're like, oh, it doesn't matter that much. I think it's bizarre that you fight the whole season to get in the top four, to play in the Champions League, and then it's like, oh, it doesn't matter. We're only playing, like, you know, very Inter Milan away. We've qualified. It doesn't matter. I, to me, it's just bizarre. Even if you have qualified already, th- these are the games that players want to play, and you know, you know. It's it's the Champions League, isn't it? You you should respect it, in my opinion. But yeah, the um, counter argument about finishing first is that oh, you have to play anyone, any you have to play the good teams anyway if you want to win it. But that's just it's just not true, is it? Well, you do in a sense, but it's like you'd rather play Basel than Real Madrid in the last sixteen. Surely, um, it gives you an easier run. It means you can rest players and. That benefits you in the league and other competitions. Definitely, Joe so Neil Cusis is wrong. Joe Davis. I'd have to counter that as an Arsenal fan because for I think three or four years we came second in our group stages in the Champions League. We're talking way back when we used to play in that competition. Uh, <laughs> we always used to play Barcelona or Bayern Munich in the in the next stages. And the last one that we played when we won the group was no, when we came second in the group was AS Monaco, and we lost that. Regardless, and then the was next that, year was that Berbatov then as well. Was Berbatov that was Berbatov. Yeah. That was good Berbatov. old Berbatov. Shout yeah. out to yeah. Berbatov. Yeah. If you Berbatov. do fancy joining us on this fine <laughs> podcast, please do. You'd be very welcome. You can drink your wine, bring your wine. But the last year we played in the in the Champions League, we we won the group. And who did we play? Bayern Munich. Nice. Yeah. Came Pretty second nice. in that group. But you still rather win it because for City now we've got either Schalke, Roma, Ajax, or Atletico. Whereas if we won it, we'd have Barca, the BUV, and the PSG. I know that I'd rather. Yeah. The, group, the yeah. groups in this year's Champions League have generally finished with the favourites at the top, Yeah, haven't they? So it's like the, the sort of yeah. general... There's still a few weaker groups. Like There's too. one where, is it like Porto and Schalke? That's, yeah, I mean, a good example yeah. is you know, like United. If we'd won against Valencia, Valencia last night... Um, we might have had easier opponents than at the moment we could play either Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, Porto, which is the best shout in that group, PSG or Real Madrid. That's a strong lineup. Yeah. If, if we'd finished if we'd finished top in that group, it would have looked a lot more. And even if you us. get Porto, it's not guaranteed not, that you're getting through. I mean, I don't want to That's a one last one time you played Porto in a so knockout game. I think Mr. Mourinho was. In the yeah. other dugout, yeah. 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 I, I that was the infamous. <laughs> 2003. I think yeah. we'll draw, we'll draw them and we'll lose to them. I think that's that's written in the stars, that. While we're talking about Porto, uh, Liverpool played Porto away last season in the Champions League and beat them 5-0, which was a very emphatic result and very impressive for the first stage of the knockout round. <laughs> Sadio Sadio that Where is this going? Sadio Mane scoring a hat-trick to take the 10 goals in total of the Champions League. Where is this season. going, Drews? Anyway, we're moving on to our next question, which comes from 
Catherine Batty. Uh, Barney Stevenson probably wants to answer this one, which is, can Hull go four games unbeaten? I'd Presuming think... you are three games unbeaten at the moment. <laughs> we are three games unbeaten, and I think the answer is probably yes to that. Um, we're not a particularly good football team at the moment, but... Um, Brentford at home isn't the most terrifying prospect. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we can at least get a draw there. We've got another question, which comes from, you know, I would say, a very dear friend of ours, Johnny Mack, who wrote a fantastic piece about... El Postino. Beppe Signori. Beppe Signori, yeah. Uh, Views-wise, like one of the best last yeah, week. Yeah, Brilliant piece. Um, rocket. Um, one of my favourite Italian strikers of the nineties, I must say, he was just slash very winger. underrated. Slash yeah, I wish people, you know, held him in high regard. And he says, "How do you solve a problem like Bilbao? Obviously, Atletico Bilbao have been struggling this year. Um, Sacked the manager about a month ago. Yeah, so Bilbao are eighteenth in La Liga as we speak, I think, um, which is terrible, really, for a club of their size. And the question they have now is." Well, the problem that Johnny's probably referring to is do they sack their principles, which are only recruit Basque players? Barney Stevens is a big Basque fan, of course. Yes. Do they only recruit Basque players or do they sack off their principles? And I think their owners, slash, I think they're presidents in Spain, aren't they? Which, do they, it's whether they do it or whether, and I think their owner basically said we'd rather get relegated than go against our principles of doing Basque players only. I think they. I think they're one of. I think possibly the only club. Oh no, Barcelona and Real as well. But I don't think they've ever been re- relegated from La Liga. Yeah, Bilbao when La Liga formed were like the team. Yeah. Um, in like the Spanish Civil War sort of days, Bilbao were the team to beat. I mean, their squad anyway. I don't, I don't think it's a problem with um, with personnel. So I don't think it's a problem with. Uh, La Cantera policy. I mm. think it's. Um, I think. I think arguably the manager is possibly to blame for for results because they do have some excellent players at their disposal. Um, the Basque Country have got a proud tradition of producing some very high quality footballers, and so yeah, I think um, that. I guess if 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 they are doing. So badly, sort of come come the new year, then it's probably time to look at a change of um, a change of manager. Cool. Uh, we had one more question from Catherine Batty as well, which was: England were drawn in the same group as Scotland for the Women's World Cup on Saturday, but it clashes with the Nations League final, which England may be in. Why don't UEFA and FIFA plan better? I want listening to your question, Andrew. I was Andrew. Great, thanks for trying to score any brownie points at all. But um, I just completely agree with what the implied sentiment of that question. Mm. Uh, It just makes no sense to not plan that better. Like Mm. I, I can't understand why they wouldn't even consider a possible fixture clash. just literally makes no sense, especially with the rise of women's football and like the, the clear interest in uh, the English football, football, women's football team at the moment. Just makes no sense. Can I clarify that this is uh, an England's male game clashing with an England's women's game? Yeah, so in- England are playing are playing Scotland. In England, uh, the Lionesses mm. playing Scotland, uh, and it, it clashes with the Nations League final, which we're not guaranteed to be in. But obviously, we're in the semi-final, yeah. so would. Should we win that semi-final? We'll be playing in the final. 
and the Lionesses will be playing Scotland at the same time. That's the one would imagine that there's enough, there's too short a period of time to plan games. Mm. Maybe they can move the kickoff. Do you remember how they moved the start of Wimbledon for the World Cup final yeah. in the yeah. summer? But ten, but even Maybe still, they can sort of have a one-two. One being the warm-up to the other sort of thing um, would be a nice thing. Yeah, I think you can still see the argument, even if they were on the same day, that you know, if England are playing in the, in the evening the Nations League final, people's attentions are going to be split, aren't they, compared yeah. to if they were spread out more evenly. And I think Catherine's Perhaps. writing a piece on this, I believe. Um, Barney's informed me this morning, so you keep your eyes peeled on the site, listeners, in the next week or so. Yeah. You may have a full piece to peruse at your leisure. I'm sure Catherine... Very good, uh, very good article. Yeah. yeah. Was very good I'm sure article. Catherine will be on the podcast soon enough as well. Um... One more question we have is from Alex Alton, who says, can you discuss the relationship between organisational culture and success in football? What does that mean? Well, this means, I feel like this is something that Barney Stevenson writes dissertations on. (laughs) Barney's head's going to blow off soon. Can you try and sort of put in layman's term for me then? The English model, and then you've got the the Spanish model of like presidency, Mm -hmm. the German model, which... Oh, right, so the way that clubs are structured, sort of, it's how it relates the, ha- to the hierarchy of clubs. Yeah, so it's how, like, with you know Barca, for example, they are presidents. Uh, I think at the moment, Bartomeu, mm. I think his name is. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And basically, it's, and obviously, Madrid is Florentino Perez as pe- president. Um, Florentino Perry, we could start calling him. But um, yeah, so it's basically. Madrid have this structure, and is it right? Does it relate to success? Um, well, I guess um, I would say that in to an extent, yes. As in, um, I do think that the way that a club is structured is particularly important. I don't think it's just about sort of um, the playing personnel and the managerial personnel. I do think what goes on behind the scenes matters as well. Uh, going back, I guess, to um, the athletic Bilbao's um, way of doing things, and to an extent with Barca as well, they both have um, structures which um, revolve around a philosophy of play, and um, I think that having a structure like that, in some ways, is an insurance policy, because. Um, you basically are, you know that you're always going back to that style of play, so you know you've always got that. Um, that's kind of the the what you're always striving for. So you don't have to uh, come up with a new plan every time you're trying to sort of every time you're changing personnel. You don't have to think you're going to fully restructure everything. So I think um, I think I think it's certainly useful for a club to have a philosophy in place, and I think that. At Manchester City, Pep is starting to maybe lay the foundations for that, and I think Wenger at Arsenal did do that, and Emery is, to be fair, probably continuing that to an extent. I think on the on the flip side, you can easily point to the opposite side of Manchester, um, in that United. This is one of the main gripes I have with the current club setup is that. Ed, we don't have a director of football, so Ed Woodward is the the man who seems to make football decisions for us, and he's an ex-accountant and banker, um, which 
I mean, why does he have any kind of say on football decisions uh, and decide who we sign? So that that one seems bizarre to me, and and that's the main issue with United at the moment is that we don't have a philosophy as a club, which is is uh, horrible to look across the other side of the city and see that City so clearly have um, such a a focused plan that's been going on for the past ten years or so, and that's no coincidence that they're now yeah. seeing the success they are now. Right? City have a cheeky Bagerish line as a director of football. And I feel like in the current climate, you need a director of football. Um, whereas at your, your lot, you've probably got Mourinho just calling all the shots. And he doesn't even have final say. Yeah, and issue. so you've got Sheikhi Bagiristan doing all the negotiating, and that allows Pep to focus on the football. Mm-hmm. He makes the final, Pep makes the final, I want this player, get him. Yeah. Frankie Dion, get him, doesn't matter how much you pay. Um, he probably has like lists, priority lists, um, but it's like similar to Madrid in the Galactico era when they had a lot of, they signed a Galactico every summer. So I think maybe if an English club sort of did that, but you can't really in this current climate. But the Galactico era was one of the most dominant in recent history. Would you I'd say, Barney? I'd say as well, like sort of agreeing with that. I don't, I don't think there's really necessarily any correlation with um, being a coach and then being a good businessman as well so you might be able to you know you might have an excellent understanding of football on the pitch and how the game's played and how to make the players do that but then uh, to be able to transfer those skills well not even transfer those skills but to be able to have skills in business as well to put together a squad aren't necessarily two compatible things so I think that it does make sense generally probably to have two different people in those roles Definitely and Lewis you touched on uh, Galacticos there which is something that's featured quite heavily in our advent calendar so far It has and before anything I'd like to point out your pronunciation of Galacticos is tremendous, (laughs) can you say it again for me Mr Presenter Galacticos Galacticos (laughs) Yeah, we yeah, did. We um, we I talked about. I don't think that's right. To be fair, I always I've always said Galacticos, and I've talked about um, um, Ronaldo for number nine in the advent calendar, um, and he was a very interesting player. I talked mm. quite a lot about his nine. Uh, no, yeah, his ninety eight. He had a, a fit, a seizure. Yeah. Uh, about two hours before kickoff, and then miraculously spawned. About 40 minutes before kickoff, saying, Yeah, I'm going to play. And then he played, and obviously Brazil lost. And then 2002, they won it. So I, I aptly named that section Ronaldo's Redemption, which I was very proud of. I, think I particularly enjoyed the section of that article about his uh, performance at uh, Old Trafford, United, which yeah. is, yeah, uh, that's one of, my earliest mem- one of my earliest football memories is that hat yeah. trick. And that was just one of those moments. You kind of you, you look at football and you just don't really understand how they've managed to do yeah. that. Like, he was just a. a that completely ridiculous that night. Just mm. does things that you would never expect. It's one of those moments where you're watching a match and you get a little buzz over a player. I probably say get it maybe once a season, if yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. In the World Cup, maybe you know when Mbappe was just running the show against Argentina. I got it then. Yeah. Um, it's like Messi's debut. Those sort of moments that you that you think of individual talent. I think that was probably one of my favourite articles so far of the uh, advent, to be honest. And. Another one I think I should shout out is uh, probably our most controversial shout, the uh, Ra- the Raquel May article. Raquel May, we did do Raquel May. Um, um, I mean, I know that there's a lot of people who, uh, before we released the article, 
did not agree with us on Raquel May. But I after. feel like JD did. Uh, did a very, he, he made a very good case for Raquel May as, a, as a, the perfect number 10. Because you think of all the 10s, you think Pele, Maradona, Maradona Del Piero, Messi. There's so many of them. And we picked Raquel May. So I, I hadn't and watched I feel like, a lot yeah, of he had that. I always remember him for the swerved pass trait on FIFA, <laughs> <laughs> and you could sort of like bend it inside the defender yeah, rather than round the back. Yeah, yeah. Um, a great player. I just enjoyed the ties to that uh, Joe made between the the number and the position position itself, mm. which yeah. uh, I think is key. And he does represent that kind of number ten playmaker role, uh, perhaps better than than any of the the more famous number tens that we discussed. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that just about brings us to a close as Joe Davis re-enters the building after leaving for a, a quick toilet break but thank you very much all it's been an absolute pleasure as ever um, I hope we all have a nice Christmas what are our plans for the rest of the day Kieran Uja what are your plans for the rest of the day I'm really fancying watching Love Actually Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so probably that and then yeah. uh carry on the drinking that we've that's started quite, this morning that's quite Christmassy Lewis yeah. Neal a few more camera girls yeah Joe Davis Bob nice he's always very succinct that's why we like him <laughs> Jack Perry I'm going to agree yeah Yeah. Bob Barney Stevenson I'm going to go sleep and revitalise and then get myself back out again Bob. April, uh, April who spoke at the start and has listened to this whole podcast very attentively but has not contributed verbally come back into the circle so <laughs> What are your plans for the rest of the day, April? Probably just carry on drinking, really. Mm. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. How did you find the podcast, April? Really enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, some really interesting... Didn't fall asleep, I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Which is always... But a record leg in the hand, though. Yeah, Two. yeah. Which may have helped. Obviously, other <laughs> cider brands out there. Yeah, there are other cider brands out there, but uh, it's up for you to decide on that one. Anyhow... Scrumpy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out to our friends... Um, Scrums and Scrumpy. Scrums and Scrumpy. Scrums and scrumpy. Doing, scrumpy. doing a fantastic job over at uh, their own very own podcast, which you've recorded in the same studio. Um, we all, all, as you all just say, just, um, we expect a shout-out from them just because we've... Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure they've already <laughs> given us one. I'm sure, I'm sure they've probably already given us one. But uh, any, anyway, uh, Lewis Steele... Don't Steel's you gonna, listen. Lewis Steele's going to... Every week. Lewis Steele, it's actually a bi-weekly podcast. Lewis Steele is going to play us out with uh, some of his... Lewis Steele actually used to be an opera singer, which... Um, it does make sense if you see him in person. So Lewis Steele's going to sing us out. I did. Uh, have a nice Christmas, everyone. <laughs>